there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, we are wrapping up our monthly Marvel series, not with just discussions about Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, a.k.a. Emotional Trauma Part 1 and Part 2. Indeed. But we're just going to discuss the juggernaut that is the MCU, its effect on on us, on cinema, on nerddom. We're just going to jive about it, guys. We're going to have a little convo. Yeah. Because if we took on the insanity of trying to go through every single plot point of both Infinity War and Endgame in one episode, we would probably kill ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, well, also, both those movies are both, what, two and a half hours long? Yes. Um, <laughs> and we've all seen them. We don't need to go through every single plot point, do we? We know what happens. Yeah. We'll just go through some highlights yeah, and stuff and discuss certain things that we felt upon our rewatch and things like that. Yeah. And possibly where we think Marvel can go. Oh boy. That's going to be an interesting conversation. This whole thing is going to be a very interesting conversation. So, as we said, we both rewatched Infinity War and Endgame. Yes. I still think they both hold up quite well. Yes, but there is something that I wanted to kind of bring up as our first sort of topic. Because... Okay, I don't know about Scott, because Scott's a manly man. So maybe he didn't have the same emotional reaction that I did. But I remember being in the movie theater, particularly with Endgame, and sobbing. Like, not just like, oh, wiped a single falling tear from my cheek, cry. No. It was an ugly, sad, snotty cry. You all know a point in the movie... That happened. You all know what I'm talking about, okay? And I saw the movie twice in theaters, and I sobbed both times at that particular moment. So I was very curious to see if when we got to that moment, I would still feel that same emotional impact. But I didn't. I felt feelings. I I think it has a lot to say about the idea of the Marvel movies being an experience kind of like the the good old martin scorsese argument that marvel movies aren't cinema which i don't necessarily agree with but i do think it's a different animal than most other movies i think marvel has kind of carved out its own genre for itself in superhero movies you know what i mean you are correct it has cut out a big niche for itself Mm. i understand what you're saying because we all know that the big from i am iron man Onward, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Sobs. Yes. I think it's tough because when you rewatch this movie, you know that's coming. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of tear-jerking moments, they usually get you really hard the first time. Right. And then when you know it's coming, they don't get you as hard afterwards. But also, we're in an age that... There is a new Marvel movie every three months, not to mention a shit ton of shows. Well, now, yeah, for sure. So now, everyone always talked about Marvel fatigue. It's a real thing. I'll say that for sure. I think it's a real thing. I think it is and it isn't. I think it's not fatigue in the way that you're like, oh, these movies aren't going to make money. No. I think it's fatigue in... It's all the same shit, basically. It's all the same shit, but it's also hard to keep that level of, oh my god, I'm really into this. Yes. It's just like, Endgame was the 20th movie and Infinity War was 19. So we were 20 movies deep at that point. Right, and they weren't coming out. Like, it had just become a big deal, I think, like, just before that, that... It was like two movies in one year. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong, but it was like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Black Panther, and then Infinity War Endgame. Like, they were all filmed around the same time. They were all released maybe within like a few months of each other. So that was kind of a new thing. Now it's like, yeah, I mean, you look at 
just this year and upcoming Marvel plans. Like, there's multiple movies in a year, plus shows and shit. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, too, on that. It's also becoming, like, it's hard to slot time to keep up. Like, we were all, again, Iron Man hooked us, and we just kept going. And the way Endgame ends with basically the the nice little bow mm-hmm. of I am Iron Man and it right I mean was, Tony Stark was the heart of the MCU but we also we lost Tony right we lost and Cap we lost Cap we lost Black Widow yeah even though she got a movie afterwards true that's a whole other thing the, <laughs> uh you know so we lost three heavy hitters that we had Basically, since the very beginning. Right. Although I will say, because going into Endgame, I said this to you when we were watching the movie. I remember going into Endgame, we all knew that Tony was going to die and Cap was going to die. Because we all knew they were leaving and their contracts were up, whatever. And, you know, that was going to be it for them. And going into it, you know that's coming. But I do appreciate they didn't do what you would expect for both of them like they didn't give them both kind of the same ending because the obvious path to go down is the heroic sacrifice right obviously that's what they did with tony but then when it came time for like well how is this going to end with cap it ended a totally different way and in a way i don't think anyone expected i i don't think any of us really expected to see old cap at the end of Endgame. no and i think which i actually loved it but i also think it's important when you talk about their two endings Mm-hmm. Especially those two, we all knew from the very beginning Tony was eventually going to sacrifice himself in some way, right? That's, because that's been his mo like throughout the whole series. He, he's always trying to sacrifice himself every way. Even when Cap says, "You're not the one to sacrifice yourself," that we, was all what Tony ever did. We literally talked did. about that in the first Iron Man because I think I even mentioned then, like, "Oh, Cap made a whole big speech about how he's not the brave sacrificing himself type." But meanwhile, in the first movie, he tried to sacrifice himself while. The thing about Cap's ending, and what I love about it, is Cap was always the one to sacrifice his life. Right. And now he could finally Live just it. be fucking happy for a minute. Yeah. He was Captain America. Mm-hmm. He wasn't Steve Rogers. He got to be Steve Rogers. Yeah, it was nice. The Russo brothers did a great job with these movies. They obviously directed the films, and uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely were the writers. And uh, Alan Silvestri's score obviously helped uh, quite a bit. But yeah, these two movies um, were really like the perfect ending for this immense series that we've all been on. And another thing, just to mention endings, Infinity War's ending is like iconic in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before then. Where it literally ends with the heroes just losing and there's not a speck of hope to lead you into the sequel that we all know is coming that's going to be the end game literally and it just ends on the most sad dour spider-man dusty note <laughs> the one movie it probably gets compared to most is empire oh yeah because yeah because it ends at them at their lowest point right but in empire they're flying off there's kind of still hope that they can figure it out right they're flying off into space they're at the, the, they're, the, they're yeah. at the lowest point but there, there's hope there yeah at the end of infinity war there's no hope there is no hope you just lost because it's done it's the half of the universe is gone these two movies are amazing together because you were so invested and then you cut back in at the beginning of endgame with Barton's family disappearing. Oh my god. We freaking watched it. And I'm like, I totally forgot how the movie starts. And then it comes up on Clint. And I was like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> no. No. It's like they wanted to remind you. Of yeah, they're like, like, oh yeah, you thought there was going to be a turnaround. And then, oh my god, you guys. They do the opening, the cold opening with Clint and his family, right? And then they cut, obviously, to the whole thing with, uh, you know, the Avengers and they fucking cut off Thanos' head and that was a surprise, too, I feel like when I watched it in the movie theater. I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's done. But then they cut to black and just with the slowest title text, it goes five years. I was like, oh my god. Later. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? That was a shock, too. I feel like they really they threw 
crazy fucking curveballs at us without it being like, oh, we're just throwing in this twist to throw a twist in. It wasn't Shyamalaning us, you know what I mean? No, it was actually very brilliantly done. When they did Falcon and the Winter Soldier after this, and then, of course, Wanda and Loki, we were dealing with this time paradox bullshit. Right, we're just dealing with all the aftermath. I will say, like, as, as far as speaking to the future of Marvel, I do think that Marvel fatigue exists. And the reason I think it exists is because, like we were saying, it's become Marvel movies and superhero movies in general have just become their own genre. And genres have tropes. And the MCU has tropes. So a lot of these movies that have come out, like Phase 4 movies, like some of them do have interesting things about them that I am interested in pursuing in the future but there are a lot of tropes to be observed but mind you I think we should all remember that in the first phase back in the very very beginning of the MCU there were also duds in the beginning of the Infinity Saga as well so I'm not totally giving up hope yet but what what originally I was going to make a point of saying is that the, the place that I've really found the most interesting promise is probably with some of the TV shows like WandaVision and Loki in particular. And I think that's because it centers around characters from the original saga that maybe didn't get as much time that we as an audience are interested in and want to see continue. Like we wanted to see where Wanda's at and focus on her for a little while. And we wanted to see Loki get his redemption. So I think, you know, instead of introducing like a hundred nuke people, which I get you have to introduce new people, but you should still not forget about the other characters that we already know and love. Yes, you're correct. Loki was great. WandaVision was great. Wanda's the best part of Multiverse of Madness. Again, you're in this weird establishing period for Marvel now again. And as Frankie said, I 100% agree with her. Phase 1 was also like... Hit or miss. Hit or miss. We're trying to establish what this is. Mm-hmm. And now we're back in that period trying to go okay, who do we have going forward? We have Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. As long as Sony doesn't screw that up, we're okay there. And plus, we could get the other Spider-Man too in the future, which would be cool. Yes. We have Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. who seems to be like... He seems like he's going to stick around He's going to stick bit. around for a bit. He's one of those guys that... It's, it's weird because his movies are interesting, like, I like the concepts of them, but I don't think they're always executed perfectly. Right. Well, I do think Multiverse of Madness was better than Doctor Strange. I, I do, too. Like, the first one. Yeah. I do, too, because it's not an origin movie. Right. Um, That's a whole other thing. That's the thing, too. It's like all these movies that are introducing new people are origin movies. I actually, now I'm thinking about it, I can see Shang-Chi getting a similar trajectory in his character development that Thor did. Yes. Where he kind of starts off as like more of a generic superhero guy. And then as time goes on, maybe producers and writers realize, oh, Simu Liu is really funny and charismatic. Maybe we can like give him some more like charismatic funny shit to do and like incorporate that into the character a little more. Because Shang-Chi has potential as a character, but I think the origin movie was just a little eh. Yes, I think you are right. It was was a little eh. We still have a couple people who are going to be leaving probably soon because you, you got the Guardians. Right. Well, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure Pratt and Gamora are going to be saying goodbye I'm pretty sure in Guardians 3. Three. I'm pretty sure Pratt, Gamora, and Drax. And Drax, probably. But hey, we'll still have Rocket and Groot, right? <laughs> Please don't kill Groot. <laughs> Please don't kill Rocket. I don't think I can deal with that. Now, repeat back what I just said. I'm Groot. Uh-huh. I'm Groot. That's right. I'm Groot. No! Now that's the button that will kill everyone! Thor is clearly taking a step back now that his movie has come out again. Yeah, I think he's going to turn more into like a Hulk situation where he pops up now and again. Like, I don't think he's going to... Because after Love and Thunder, and I think he's taking a step back from acting in general for a bit. Until Loki kind of comes into the movie universe, I think you can leave Thor alone. 
Well, again, that's also so we you have Thanos is our big bad for this uh, who comes Kang, in. Kang, 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 uh, Kang. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think yes. <laughs> I think introducing Kang. I'm so excited about him in Loki. Was Loki brilliant? Ha ha ha. What? Introducing Kang and Loki was Loki brilliant. Oh, that was really stupid. Okay, I didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang, is a really great actor. If you haven't seen this movie called The Harder They Fall, it's a Western uh, with all African-American actors starring Jonathan Majors. It's fucking good and you should watch it if you haven't but i'm excited to see what jonathan majors does with kang and for those of you who are like eh, i don't know if he's gonna be gonna be as good as thanos listen you have to remember that for the majority of the infinity saga thanos was just some guy floating around in space in a throne like chair and not even saying words kind of just looked like a big grape guy in the sky yeah it wasn't until infinity war where he shows up and literally kicks the shit out of the hulk right that you're like oh, oh. <laughs> this is bad <laughs> but i think he's kang's gonna be in quantum mania which is coming out in yes january so the thing about kang and what makes this such an interesting character is there isn't just one kang there's a whole bunch of Kangs. Right. Well, that's the thing with the multiverse. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but in case I haven't, I think bringing out the multiverse into this new saga is the best decision they could have made because coming out of the Infinity Saga, you know, everyone's emotionally exhausted. Rightfully so. And I think that introducing this whole new concept into the MCU where literally anything can happen... And you can have John Krasinski in the Fantastic Four. And you can have, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield come back as Spider-Man. Like, I think literally the fact that anything can happen gives you a little boost of excitement going into the future of Marvel. Yeah, and they can recast people and do other things. Right, yeah. Like, in No Way Home, they had Venom show up and part of the symbiote gets left in the MCU world. No! Hell no! 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 I refuse- No! I'm gonna just put it out there. I don't want- I don't want, I don't want <laughs> Tom Hardy's Venom in the MCU. Well, it's not- I don't want it. Well, it's not gonna be Tom Hardy's Venom. They- I'm just saying, I'm letting you know how I feel in my heart, my soul. I don't- I don't like- I don't like those Venoms. They're bad movies. They are. Is Mobius in the MCU? Morbius is not in the MCU. Morbius, Mobius is from uh, the Loki show. Mobius. Yes. Don't get him confused with Morbius, the vampire guy played by Jared Leto. I know it's on Netflix. I put it on my list because I'm like, is it? I'll watch it eventually. Oh, I'm not watching that, Scott. I'm not watching that with you. Um, it's fine. I don't have the strength. <laughs> I, I, I was just. Like, I watched Venom Two with you, and that. I feel, was a very gracious thing for me to do as your loving wife. But I don't have that much love in me for Morbius. I think, but we're not going to get it, but I think the MCU needs like a five to six month break. They probably do, but they're they're not going to do that because money. Uh, I will say, jumping back to Endgame, at, at the time I watched it in the theater... I remember thinking when they had the whole girl power sequence and the big fight scene towards the end. We all know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you know, right? They were pandering to us, ladies, you know. All the ladies were standing there and they were kicking ass. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, this is cool and all. But, like, it's really a sin that Natasha isn't here. That's really kind of, that's fucked up. ScarJo really started this whole female fucking superhero badass bitch shit well true and i still felt that watching it again i was like black widow should be here fuck that true but also in infinity war you did get her okoye and wanda that's true and that was cool too because i love okoye and i love wanda and i love black widow but it's yeah no it wasn't the same in the clearly pandering we love women women are badass and strong and go ladies you know if you like it then you should have put a ring on it segment of the movie you should have had fucking black widow in the fucking segment i'm sorry i know but in the same breath 
I do like the her and Barton fight. I did like that too. I, I'm not mad that she sacrificed herself for Clint. I'm happy about it. Because I also did like the Hawkeye series. And I, I do I I did like that scene and how it played out just emotionally for them too. But at the same time, the female pandering scene felt a little empty. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting going forward who because Well, Yelena. Is taking over well, her role eventually. Yeah, Yelena's gonna take over her role. I think eventually we'll get another Marvel Captain Marvel movie. Ugh, my God, um, really, dude, dude! Infinity War. Can I just say something really hilarious? Okay, so Infinity War came out right, and then I believe after Infinity War, they had an end credit scene with Fury, and he was on his little pager because it's 1986, and <laughs> out pops. Uh, Captain Marvel symbol like okay here comes Captain Marvel bitch and then the Captain Marvel movie came out in between Infinity and Endgame and Captain Marvel movie it sucked it was bad nobody liked it and that's why in Endgame Brie Larson had all of like four minutes of screen time she had like a couple minutes in the beginning and then she was like I'm going off to space for a very long time and she literally practically looked in the camera don't worry audience you won't have to see me for a long time and then left and then didn't come back to like the last 10 minutes of the movie and it's just like wow Endgame was three hours and one minute and you couldn't find another like 10 minutes to put Captain Marvel in where she's supposedly going to save the whole fucking universe. Like, okay, girl. Well, again, okay. Well, hmm. the Captain Marvel movie. It's bad. There's a reason we didn't do it in our MCU series because I didn't want to watch it again. Yeah. The issue with it is it was a lot of telling us who Captain Marvel is and not a lot of showing us who Captain Marvel is. It was very odd because I, I do agree with Scott completely. It was very odd because Brie Larson, who is a good actress, for some reason in this movie, she was just incredibly bland and like just had nothing to her. And I don't know if that was just like the direction or just her attitude. Like, I don't know what the T is with that whole thing, but it was just it was very boring. I was bored because the MCU is a little bit sanitized. They took away some of the harder edges of some of these characters. Tony in the comics is a hardcore drunk. Captain Marvel is also a hardcore drunk. Hmm, okay. But in the same breath, to just throw your argument back at you, Tony Stark is supposed to be a drunk. Okay, he's not a drunk in these movies. However, he's still a vastly more charming and interesting character oh, uh, than uh, Captain Marvel. I'm, again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think... We let Robert Downey Jr. do what Robert Downey Jr. does great. Mm-hmm. When we get to Captain Marvel, this has become a machine, a juggernaut. You should have just got a better actress. Sorry. I, I don't think that's a problem with Brie Larson. I think it's a problem. I think it is. I think it's a problem with Captain Marvel, the movie. And because it bombed so hard, they were like, yeah, we're going to put her to the sideline. I just think you need a new director and a new direction for that character. So we'll see where they go with that. But she comes in at the end of Endgame. You're like, whatever. She destroys the ships. And then, like, I never thought I'd be so bored watching somebody headbutt fucking Thanos. But by that point, it would have been cool. And it is kind of cool. But it's just like, I don't care about you. Like, why are you here? We were doing fine without you. <laughs> You're so boring. Oh, also, uh, just going off Brie Larson because we're done with this conversation. Cat picking up the hammer. Oh, yes. Obviously, that's one of the most iconic moments i mean the, at that point in the movie we were like anxiously waiting for it to to come we we knew like the music was leading up to or like oh it's coming it's coming it's great <laughs> that and when he finally says avengers assemble <laughs> also i forgot for going i knew it <laughs> when he does pick up the hammer <laughs> Well, I think that harkens back to, what was it, Civil War or Ultron. I think it was Ultron where they're all going around the room and trying to pick up the hammer and Cap like moves it a little bit. But then Thor looks and he's like, oh, okay, he didn't pick it up. But I will say as far as like emotional impact of things, because I know now we're talking about like the cool iconic things that happen throughout these two movies and the Avengers Assemble and the in that final battle... 
when all the portals open and everyone starts coming in, I did get a little, like, my heart went a little a flutter, especially when I saw Chadwick. He kind of gets his own moment in the frame. And I'm like, ugh. But I'll say, you know, even though I didn't get the same emotional punch that I did maybe the first or even the second go around watching these movies in the theater, I still had more of an emotional reaction to these movies rewatching them than I ever did watching Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, when Chewie got his medal, I just wanted to shed a tear and I just couldn't do it because I was dehydrated. Oh yeah. It course. was so emotional. That's the difference between like real emotional investment and just like, hey, look at all these things you remember. Aren't they nostalgic? Doesn't that make you sad? Feel things. It's like, no, I don't I don't want to because I don't care. <laughs> well, it's even crazy because this has become such a thing like the dusting. I remember walking out of the theater of Infinity War being like Almost in shock. <laughs> like, I mean, particularly Spider-Man's demise well, was really heart-wrenching, I remember, in the theater. That didn't make me, like, sob like Endgame did, but I remember getting a little misty when Spider-Man dusted. And I think, though, his lines were pretty much ad-libbed in the moment from Tom Holland when he's like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, and he's almost crying. It's just like, oh my god, he's just a kid. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, like, him, Chadwick got dusted at that point, too. Yeah. And the Koi is, like, calling out and, like... Then, of course, Wanda and Vision and that whole thing. Yeah, Vision's death was particularly emotional. When Wanda destroys Vision. Yeah. And fucking Thanos rewinds him. Yeah, that was fucked up. I was like, oh my god. I think the only thing, like, in Infinity War, like, Hulk being scared of Thanos is interesting. But you, you kind of want Hulk there because he is Hulk. I feel like, and I feel, I'm sure we've mentioned this when we talked about the actual Hulk movie in this series, I feel like the character of the Hulk, it's really been underused, let's be real. Because even in this set of movies, Infinity and Endgame, in Infinity War, the whole thing with the Hulk, which is really not even touched on that much at all, is that Hulk is scared of Thanos, so Hulk won't come out. And Hulk and Bruce are fighting internally, right? And then you just pop into Endgame... And he's smart Hulk. And it just feels like like it would have been nice if Hulk was more developed internally as a real character and not just scientist guy with angry green man inside him. It would have paid off better to see him turn into smart Hulk at the end of all this. Well, yeah. But it just felt like, oh, okay, we're just doing this now. Like This is a different thing that we're doing. It's I don't know. Well, because... The Jekyll and Hyde thing is important for his character. And the best it's used is in Avengers. Like, that is the best it's used. Because you do have the monster and... Like, that's what you kind of want with the character. And I, you've seen She-Hulk. I haven't yet. I I have, but that's not even about Hulk. <laughs> no. Hulk's barely in it. <laughs> but, like, that's... Like, we need something for Hulk, but we, we're already so far past that point. Well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's, it's not really a spoiler because it's, like, such a small thing. It barely is even... They squeeze it in there in the finale episode of fucking She-Hulk. It's so... Uh, I have feelings about She-Hulk, but we'll maybe we'll talk about that someday. In, like, the very last episode, maybe in the last five minutes of She-Hulk... Bruce comes in, do 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 do. Hey guys, I have a son. His name is Scar. And then the the show ends. So it seems like they're leading into they introduce Scar. Yeah, they're leading into that thing. That's not really a big spoiler because it's literally like the thirty second intro in the episode, and that's it. <laughs> so I feel like that's not a big deal that I just spoiled that for you. No, it's but, not. But like, oh my. Yeah. So I feel like maybe they're leading to something whether it be a show in the future or a movie god forbid we get another hulk movie yeah. but yeah i don't i don't know man i i don't know the she hulk show was okay it was okay and then the finale happened which i mean maybe if we fucking talk about she hulk on the show 
most likely the majority of our conversation will be about the finale. <laughs> the finale is weird. Oh, uh, you got that. Um, you got now we we got Moon Knight too, which was I love Moon Knight. We talked about that obviously on the show. I I love Moon Knight. I'm pretty sure it's getting season two. It's gonna be interesting to see where some of these pieces fit going forward. You know what I mean? Because now again, you had the first picture and an end game, and now like where does everything else fit? Yeah. So like I I have hope that it's they'll figure it out. It might take some time. This is true. Who died, died in, in this whole... Heimdall died, died. Heimdall died, died. Loki technically died. Yeah. But then his alternate version came back, and that's the guy in Loki. Yeah. I don't know, because that's technically another dimension. So, like, I don't know well, how... Well, it still counts, because it's the multiverse now, so everything counts. Yeah. Um, And then Gamora... Because Gamora died. Yes. But then another version of Gamora is alive and in yes. our universe... So she counts. She's alive. One version of Nebula died, but Nebula's alive. And now, and Vision died, but now, thanks to WandaVision, we do have a all-white version of Vision, but he has all of old Vision's memories. Yes, and we don't know. And he's around. We don't know where yet. Right, but you know eventually he's going to get back with Wanda, because Wanda didn't die in fucking madness or whatever the fuck, in the Doctor Strange sequel or whatever the fuck. So they're going to get back together... And everything's going to be wonderful well, again. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, eventually, I don't know how, but I have a feeling Wanda's going to be our link to the X-Men. Oh, right, because she's technically a mutant, right? Yes. Ooh, do you think she's going to be in fucking uh, Deadpool 3? Because you know Deadpool... Th- well, is Deadpool 3 still going to be Sony? No, the Deadpool was owned by Fox. Oh, fuck. But Deadpool is going to be Disney in the bought, MCU, But right? Disney bought Fox. Right. So we're all living together now in a uh, yes. harmonious gumbo yes. of madness. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, Deadpool's going to... Because I think Mobius, not Morbius, Mobius, Owen Wilson, is going to be in the Deadpool 3 movie. That's what I've heard. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting. That's why I'm not... You know what I'm saying? I'm not totally counting out the multiverse saga because even though phase four seems to be starting a little slow and like a little wonky yeah i mean nothing is terrible except eternals but we, jesus christ eternals i actually when i was doing research for this like writing stuff down in my notes i saw that oh uh end game is the longest mcu movie three hours and one minute and i'm like how long was Eter- Eternals is longer? I know that. I looked it up. It's only like two and a half ish hours. But I was like, oh, I could have sworn Eternals was like five hours long. Eternals is bad. I'm so sorry to inform you all. Eternals is bad. Although I do like some of the actors in it. Um, but you know what can you do? You didn't see Eternals, right? No, I haven't. You literally yet. don't have to. Like that's the only one. I'm like, you don't need to see that because I don't think they're gonna be dumb enough to put them in any more movies. I think that's just gonna be a standalone. Maybe they'll take a couple characters out and put them in, the, but no, there's not gonna be Eternals too. I doubt it. We don't know the grand plan yet. <sighs> Ugh! Please don't include the Eternals. <laughs> please, just don't. Just it, don't. It's gonna be very interesting. We've talked a lot about Endgame and our future. What are some points from Infinity War that really stand out to you? Well, the humor, I think, was a a good highlight of Infinity War, despite the grim ending. The whole segment where, like, Stark, Strange, and Spider-Man are on this planet, and then all of a sudden the Guardians of the Galaxy come in, and (laughs) they're like, okay... Who do you work for? Who do? What master do you serve? <laughs> and it's like, and then uh, Pratt's like, "Where is Gamora?" Yeah, I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? <laughs> oh, that's great. I do love. Who who is your master? What you want me to say? Jesus Christ. Oh, what am I supposed to say? Jesus. <laughs> and then of course the aliens line too. <laughs> He's seen more movies than you have. <laughs> Them calling, like, the alien bad guy Squidward yeah. was great. Because, like, yeah, he is kind of Squidward. Uh, seeing the Hulkbuster armor again was fun. Again, I think Infinity, yeah, the humor is great. I like seeing, like, Iron Man and Doctor Strange bounce off each other a bit. 
because they're two of the most sarcastic characters we have. Ooh, you know what we should talk about? I feel like this was one of the biggest controversies from Infinity War, and we should really give it a a solid discussion because no one's really talked about it probably in a long time. And considering we just rewatched the movie, we probably have a fresh perspective. So um, at some point, the Guardians are going to go after Thanos, and Gamora knows that she has some information. So she says to Quill, listen, if Thanos gets me, you have to kill me. And he reluctantly says, okay. And it obviously gets to that very point when they are confronted by Thanos. One of the saddest points in that movie, other than like the obvious sad ending, was when she's basically begging Quill to kill her. And he eventually does pull the trigger, but bubbles come out. That also is like a great moment in the movie and like a surprise. I did really appreciate that. But then uh, he disappears with her. And sometime later... The Guardians, along with Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange, all confront Thanos and try to get the fucking glove off. And they have this plan that's going really well until Mantis is, like, holding Thanos' head and, like, holding him in place. Everyone's doing something to try to get the glove off, the Infinity Gauntlet. And all of a sudden, Quill asks Thanos, where's Gamora? And eventually it comes out that he killed her to get the soul stone. And Quill, upon hearing that this guy killed the woman he loves, he proceeds to kind of lose his shit, which eventually leads to them failing their mission of removing the Infinity Gauntlet and everything goes wrong. So on and so on and so on. And I remember after this movie's release, the uh, kind of leading story, at least in regards to that aspect of the movie, is that it's all Quill's fault. Everything that happened was Quill's fault. And Quill is responsible for the ending of this movie and for Thanos winning and killing half the fucking planet. Now, what do you think about this controversial statement, Scott? I understand at the time when you look at it, yeah, Quill does kind of cause the plan to get fucked up here. But in the same breath, Doctor Strange has already said there's only one way they win anyway. So if it's not this, which you assumed it wasn't going to be this. Which I also, just to point out, I do really like that that whole aspect kind of carried over to both movies. Because the whole way it ended when Strange just gave him the time stone. And Tony's like, why would you do that? And in his head, he's like, because if I don't, we don't win. Exactly. (laughs) This is the only way. That was really cool. But anyway, continue. I think Peter Quill is a very interesting character that we don't talk about as much as he needs to be talked about. I mean, I think in Guardians 2, it really kind of... It gave him a lot more depth than maybe we would have expected. Considering in Guardians 1, you know, all of them are just really a bunch of crazy misfits. Well, they are. But I also think Quill is very interesting because in Guardians 2, he is on board to basically let Ego destroy the universe until Ego mentions that he killed his mother. Right. Like, Quill is not a good guy. Like... He plays off as a good guy because he's, you know, he's the quirky Star-Lord. But he was raised by the Ravagers. He is half related to a planet that would destroy the universe. Like, Quill's maybe not as good a guy as we all think he is. Well, yeah, now that you say that, I I think he is one of those, like, bad good guys. It's like trying to be better, kind of like all the Guardians in their own way. But I will say it is kind of funny that you say that because as you were talking, you were basically describing, in my mind, the character that Kurt Russell played in Big Trouble Little China (laughs) and fucking Kurt Russell plays the dad to Quill in Guardians 2. So, yeah, that is kind of funny that you mentioned that, like, that similarity between those two. He's, again, yes, you're right because he's very charming. He's very funny. But you also look at the people he has around him. Rocket is a loose cannon. Let's call it what it is. Rocket's willing to steal anything that isn't nailed down. Gamora used to kill people quite frequently. As far as this whole controversy with, like, is it all Quill's fault? I would say it's not all Quill's fault. A lot of factors 
went into this thing and you know that whole plan of getting the glove off was kind of you know it was a long shot to begin with I think yeah but I get the argument that like you know we're we're on a mission we're trying to save the fucking planet dude like you know get over your own feelings I get that notion totally but at the same time he's a clearly a very emotionally immature character but b like you know if you find out in the moment that the love of your life was just like fucking thrown off a goddamn cliff it's you know it's a little hard to keep your emotions in check i wouldn't say that like the entirety of what happened after that point you know the snap and everybody getting obliterated into dust i wouldn't say that's all quill's fault i think the vehemence that some fans were like fuck peter quill you ruined the universe or whatever i think that's a little much (laughs) but i mean it's nerds so i mean yeah nerds take everything too seriously but that's why we love them (laughs) well true i'm not saying he made the best decision for the team here but like you know I wouldn't blame it all on him, is what I'm saying. Well, I w- again, I would say, for the Peter Quill we know, that's the exact way Peter Quill is going to react. True. So, yeah, those those are some uh, some highlights from Infinity War. There are t- ultimately too many to mention all in this one episode. But what are some highlights slash controversies slash questions slash comments that you would want to mention regarding Endgame? I think Chris Hemsworth has some of his best acting here as Fat Thor. Oh my god, Fat Thor. Oh, I missed him so much. (laughs) But like when he's first introduced and Hulk says Thanos, I actually think that's actually really great acting by Chris Hemsworth. That was really good, yeah. I think obviously in the beginning when he's first introduced, like it's a it's a joke, right? It's all meant for the visual gag of fucking Chris Hemsworth with like disgusting matted long hair and a fucking fat suit and, you know, fingerless gloves on to hide the sleeves of said fat suit so he looks even more like a homeless person. But I think it also particularly, you know, when he showcases how truly depressed he is and like his whole talk with his mom in the past, like those moments with quote-unquote fat thor i think are a really well acted and b just a great way to showcase like how depression affects people and when he grabs the fucking hammer as fat thor and like oh that was such a fucking powerful moment because it's it just told people like you know even though you're in a bad fucking space in your life and in your head and things aren't going right you know you can still be who you are the purest form of yourself and you can still be fucking worthy and i just love that i think that was a great moment it it is but i think we should talk about the whole like time travel aspect of this movie and how they literally just made up their own rules for time travel and they literally would make fun of ant-man but also like the audience like wait so you think this is gonna be like fucking back to the future or some shit what are you stupid (laughs) You asshole. <laughs> well, let's look at it this way. Even Back to the Future, every time travel movie you can think of, mm-hmm. if you think too hard about, like... It hurts your brain, it, yeah. It hurts your brain, and somewhere along the line you go, wait, something would break down here. And even in this movie, when you sit there and think about it, you're like... I don't understand. I don't understand, bitch. I don't understand. Especially when you bring up later, like, in the Loki show, that, like, oh, the TVA exists just to keep everything to this one timeline. I think Loki, even in that show, brings up, like, well, what about what the fuck the Avengers just did? That didn't fuck with the timeline at all? And they're like, well, yeah, it kind of did, but, like, that was allowed, so it's fine. I'm like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) It's just very, it's very confusing, but like most time travel movies, you don't need to think too much about the science of it. Because it, it makes enough sense to carry you through along with the good characters that you know and love and you want to, to win. So it's like, all right, fine, like, whatever. Whatever the rules are, just tell me and I'll follow them. And that's basically what we did with this movie. But I did appreciate that they brought something new to the time travel genre. Because that's a favorite kind of genre of mine, personally. So I, I was excited by that. I, I do also want to bring up the idea of nebula being on the same network with past nebula 
was a brilliant idea to key in Thanos on what's going on. That was great because obviously, you know, like any adventure movie, the heroes are going to make a plan and then there are going to be unexpected little hitches in that plan. And that was a great way to kind of throw in something that maybe they didn't think about before. And we did mention also the idea of Nebula literally killing her past self is like the most cathartic thing that not even the best therapist can give you. <laughs> like just literally take your old self and all her fucked up problems and just kill her. Because <laughs> she is dead now and you have been reborn. <laughs> there are a lot of great things, a lot of fun moments. We joked about Captain America having a fucking group <laughs> Oh, I thought that was stupid, actually. Because when we open Endgame, let me just clarify for uh, for Scotty's reference there. So after the five-year-later title screen, we pop up on, like, what's life like five years after the snap, right? And there's, like, this little rinky-dink support group being held in, like, the basement of... I almost said Shea Stadium, but it's not Shea Stadium. City it's Field. City Field. Captain America's running it. And it's not like a fucking, like, you know how when, um oh God, what's it called? Long Island Medium. She has like these fucking like auditoriums filled with fucking people. Yeah. Like, I want to talk to my dead grandma. Like, <laughs> it's not like that. It's like literally six people in a circle of metal folding chairs. And Captain America is running this fucking meeting. And it's just like, okay, this is like a cute thing. But if you think about it for more than like 10 seconds, Captain America would not be doing this. <laughs> Captain America would not be running some rinky-dink support group in the basement of City Field. I don't think that's a thing that he would do. I don't know. If any of the characters would do that, it probably would be Cap. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Unless he's like just popping in at fucking support groups all over the country and all over the world. Maybe that would happen. He's like a videotape from like Spider-Man. I, yeah. I don't know if this guy's a war criminal still. He just, but. They, they all just roll in a TV screen in front of the, Hey there, did you lose a loved one or a family pet to the snap? Well, allow me to introduce you to Captain America's therapy at home video. It just seemed a little too schmaltzy. But I will say... ScarJo, like her lead up into everything in the beginning of this movie where she's upset and she's really breaking down, not just because of Clint being off the rails and, you know, committing crimes left and right, because you see her break down and cry at some point and try to like keep everything together. But you also know now watching this that she also lost her sister because Yelena was snapped away. Yeah, it. I think that's part of it. I think also Black Widow has kind of become Nick Fury and like she's running all these teams trying to figure everything out. Right, yeah. Which I'm sure gone too. <laughs> which I'm sure is a lot yeah. for anybody. I'm honestly glad that her story ended the way it did, Black Widow. Like I'm glad that she sacrificed herself because I feel like that worked for her character in the moment, given the circumstances, it worked for her. I just wish she got her own solo movie before. Uh, yeah. I, well, again, I think the MCU, not to say they were scared of women-led movies. Well, clearly they were. They were to an extent, but I also... It took them how long to have a Captain Marvel movie? And before that, there was no like female-led No, you're right. There was MCU movie. But I think it was more... They weren't sure what movie they wanted to tell with Scarlet because she is such a great supporting character for Cap, for Hulk, for Tony. Like, she fits very well with all these people that you're like, what am I going to do with just her? We could have got the Budapest movie. We should have got the Budapest movie. With her and Clint. That would have been fun. I still want it, but... Because then it could have potentially given them more emotional chutzpah leading into the Vormir scene where they fight over who's going to sacrifice themselves. Yes, you're 100% right. I would mm-hmm. love the Budapest movie. I do love to hear you say that, dear. That you're 100% right? Oh, music to my ears. So just to wrap up our individual discussions of Infinity War and Endgame, let's kind of just give our letterboxed ratings of both these movies. Did they change it all after the rewatch? Mine didn't. No, mine didn't either. I, I have them both rated as five stars. 
Um, I have Infinity War as a four and a half and Endgame as a five. I still like Endgame more than Infinity War. I like them both, obviously, very much. But yeah, I feel like Endgame is just such a miracle of a movie that it wrapped everything up so perfectly in that little bow the way it does. And even though I didn't sob at the end with Tony's death like I did watching it in the theater, I definitely... I got misty when they did the sort of a hologram moment at yeah. the end where Tony's talking, which I also didn't realize in the beginning of Endgame when he's trapped on the ship with Nebula. Like one of the first things you see him do is make a message for Pepper saying goodbye, basically, on the Iron Man mask. And it's a hologram. I'm like, oh, that's like fucking foreshadowing the end. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, when he said into the hologram at the very end, I love you 3000, I got a little misty because I just I do love that phrase. And it's a really heart wrenching phrase that came out of that movie that everybody, I think, still uses and is very iconic. So that's definitely worthwhile. Yeah. Again, that whole ending that uh your father loved cheeseburgers oh my god it's too fucking much man <laughs> like even like clinton wanda talking oh yeah where he's like i wish there was a way we could tell natasha that we won and wanda goes oh she knows they both do meaning her and vision i thought that was really nice but yeah it was just a nice heartwarming but also sad send off with old cap as well which by the way i mean chris evans's old acting was really like on point and also the makeup looked really good like yeah. it was really great well again i think making someone look older is so much easier than making them look younger true well usually younger they'll do just the cgi now well now they'll do cgi but they what they used to do it yeah of course it, it used to be real rough right but literally, like, it seems like however many decades from now when Chris Evans' actual age lines up with old Cap's age, I feel like we're going to do a side-by-side and it's going to look very similar. <laughs> Probably. But I definitely did enjoy both these movies. They really go hand-in-hand in, hand in a, a real true blue way. But I do want to just discuss kind of like our favorite Marvel moments overall from the Infinity Saga. So, Scott, why don't you start off with some of your faves that we've mentioned. Or uh, haven't. Uh, or, or haven't from this little series we've done. Well, one I do want to bring up is Cap meeting Spider-Man for the first time. You got hard, kid. Where are you from? Queens. Brooklyn. Eh, yeah, that's a good one. It's a cute moment where they're fighting at the airport in the midst of insanity. That's a great fucking moment. Just, there's so many good moments from, like, the Avengers, Tony, Cap, Hulk, are all on the ship talking before Loki, like, destroys everything the first time. That's a great moment. It's crazy that some of these characters had so many great moments. Of course, you got both I Am Iron Mans. It's so good. It really is. And it's sad that, like... It's not sad. It, this movie has a sad ending, but Endgame, there's no reason this should have been as perfect a landing as it was. No fucking reason. So, I think some of my favorite moments are definitely just off the top of my head. From Guardians, when Groot sacrificed himself for everybody and turned into a big, beautiful tree, like, storm bomb shelter and <laughs> saved everyone we are Groot yes. that was a great moment that made me misty um, obviously the infamous scene in Avengers where Hulk just fucking mercs <laughs> Loki and smacks him around like yeah. a ragdoll I am a god you dull creature and I will not be bullied by that that's an iconic moment that i'll i'll never get tired of watching uh we didn't talk about the winter soldier movie in our series but i mean maybe we'll talk about it someday because it is just a really good movie even outside of 
the whole Marvel superhero genre. I think it's still a good movie just as like a like an action thriller type thing. Oh yeah, the elevator scene where Cap like beats the shit out of all the Hydra people and it they do revisit it in Endgame. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> but and that was a great moment too because Cap's like trying to you know sneak out of the elevator and he just whispers in the guy's ear hail hydra and i was like because <laughs> i remember at that time too there was like a comic book that came out where captain america was part of hydra or yep. whatever so yeah that was kind of a cool moment uh break on your winter soldier thing when winter soldier first catches the shield that cap throws at him Oh, yeah. Well, that's when he's revealed as Bucky, right? Yeah, he, gets, he reveals a Bucky right after that. That was so good. Like, Bucky's another character that I feel like is underutilized in this series just because there's there's so many cooks in the kitchen, you can't get to everybody. But one of the best parts of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the show, was the fact that he got um, some more opportunities to shine. And I feel like hopefully in the future he'll kind of, you know, get to shine a little bit more and we'll get to learn more about him just like adjusting to life you know without cap and in the modern times and stuff like i just like that stuff a lot and his friendship with sam i really like i feel like a lot of people uh would put on their list something like you know the airport battle and civil war i thought that was like the most it was a weird location to put like a, such an epic fight scene and like the most bland, boring backdrop possible with like nothing around. Like just so convenient to have this massive blowout fight in a big open space where nothing can get in the way and nothing can get destroyed. And then also, I would say one of my least favorite moments, I know we didn't say this, but one of my <laughs> least favorite moments in the MCU was the, like, disgustingly pandering scene in Captain Marvel where they thought for some reason it was so earned to have this, like, montage of Carol Danvers getting up off the floor after certain things throughout her life. Like, oh, women, they always get up after they fall. And then, like, she's getting up after, like, falling at a softball game. And she's getting up after riding her bike. It's like, really, bitch? No. Captain Marvel does not get up. Captain Marvel should stay down. Just stay down. But I'll say my final favorite moment, to be honest, after the end credits, I should say, of Endgame, when everyone's sitting there in the movie theater like waiting to see if they'll do anything and all you hear is ching 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 from iron man's like first uh iron man suit i don't even know if like i got it at first but then you know obviously the internet helped me out and i was like oh my god what the fuck ah uh, my brain like exploded again oh my god but yeah i mean the infinity saga definitely changed movies i think in a big bad way i think a lot of studios and a lot of franchises just want to be marvel so bad <laughs> and i think that's part of the reason if not a, a big part of the reason why dc has now hired james gunn to try to run their outfit because oh, they're like course. oh james gunn he's funny but also good at making sarcastic funny action movies he can save us right right <laughs> I think Hollywood's finally starting to realize, maybe not DC yet, but I think they're finally starting to realize they can't be Marvel. I would hope that, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but... Because I don't think this works again. Again, this wasn't supposed to be this. This was like, okay, we have an Iron Man movie. Right, and then it's okay, slowly but surely built upon itself. Like, that's what you... If you ever want this to be that... Like, again, we talked about this with Josh back in the day when we did the first Iron Man review. If it ended at Iron Man, boom, perfect movie. We're done. We don't need anything else. Right. No, you're right. Do you think that the multiverse saga can live up to Infinity Saga? I think it's too early to tell. I think... Can it? Yeah. It's going to be very difficult because you're going to need a character that everyone's going to have to buy into that can be in a bunch of movies like a Tony Stark, like a Captain America. 
and I don't know who that is yet. Yeah, I think too what you need is like a movie like Iron Man or like a Black Panther, like the original Black Panther movie that everyone agrees that is like the shit and like gets everybody charged up. I think I said like a while ago, I originally thought that Thor Love and Thunder was going to be the movie that like charges everybody back up. And I don't think it did that because it's got mixed reviews on that one. And then I also said, you know, oh, maybe it's going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. And everyone thought that was amazing, but it didn't necessarily, you know, call out to anything for like the universe as a whole. It was more kind of just like a love letter to the character of Spider-Man and what it's been in movies over the years. So and not that that's a bad thing, but it didn't necessarily get people charged up to see what the universe as a whole has to offer. And then you have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I think was the last movie that we all thought was going to kind of be like the charging. Okay, now we're back in it. And I don't know if it's that either. I don't because I think everyone generally thinks it's good, but I don't think everyone's not like how they were with the original Black Panther where it's like oh my god this is groundbreaking and amazing you know what I mean I think there has to be that movie that really like sparks a fire under everybody's ass that kind of gets them into what's coming next I think what you're gonna need is another team-up movie but I don't know I mean, the next one's going to be like Thunderbolts probably, right? Thunderbolts is possibly, but Thunderbolts is going to have a lot of new characters in it. Uh, other than Yelena and Winter Soldier. So I don't know when they're going to introduce like the next like Avengers-type movie. If there is going to be another Avengers-type movie. I, I think our one character that's going to be, hopefully barring any shittiness, is going to be Spider-Man. Because I think Tom Holland has the most potential to keep this juggernaut as big as it is. Right. That's probably true. Because let's face it, of the major superhero characters in all of comics, Spider-Man is easily in the top three, if not number one for a lot of people. I agree with that too, yeah. I am still holding out hope and still excited for what's coming next. I am excited to see Ant-Man Quantumania, and I honestly didn't think I would be, you know, maybe like a few months ago. I was kind of like, even though I do like Ant-Man, I I liked the first movie and the second movie, but, you know, Ant-Man is another one that's kind of always been a, a side character for the most part. Yeah. So I think it'll be nice to have him not only in the forefront of... Uh, another movie but also have him really directly connect to someone who's going to be the big bad in the multiverse saga which is Kang's I think it'll be interesting I'm excited to see that one at least so yeah I've really enjoyed doing the MCU series even though we didn't cover all the MCU movies it's hard to do that for a monthly series they're only 12 months in a year guys so we had to skip some sorry about that but uh, I was excited to revisit all these movies. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, whatever monthly series we got coming down the pike for next year. Indeed. And uh, it should be interesting seeing what happens going forward. Um, does that mean we see every movie at release? Maybe, no. Maybe not. I doubt it. I don't have that in me anymore. First of all, I don't feel like going to crowded movie theaters anymore at midnight to see <laughs> to see these movies. Especially when A, COVID is still a thing. And B, I mean, you know, Marvel fatigue. It's still a thing, guys. You know, I, I'd much rather wait till it comes out on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Either that or go see it at a time when... There isn't a lot of people. Or see it in a drive-in. That's how we saw Wakanda Forever, and that was a pretty good experience. So uh, I, I can't complain about that. But either way, we'll still be chugging along with the MCU as, as long as possible. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that, I'm sure. But next week. <gasps> next week, Scotty, it's a fantastic, wonderful holiday time. We're starting with our holiday episodes. Bye. So uh, first, I'm going to be showing you a holiday movie. Then the week after that, you're showing me one. And then we're going to do our, our Christmas special, which... 
Guys, we've got a banger this year. So I'm excited for all our Christmas episodes because there's a bit of a theme with uh, our sh- with our movies that Scott and I are showing each other. They have uh, something very particular in common. But then we're going to do our Christmas special and that's just going to be a whole other animal. I'm so excited. But... Um, Go ahead, one of us is. Oh, it, you're going to be just fine. Now... Until we begin our Christmas cheer, this has been Shoot the Flick, and I'm Frankie Sparks. <laughs> I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our holly jolly, jingle jangle movie adventure. That's America's ass. Yeah, it is, bitch. Oh, 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 oh.